Amen. All right, well, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We are continuing our, continuing our series on the supernatural. Um, the first of this year, the Lord spoke, and I know we're halfway through February, but I don't know how long we'll talk about this till the Lord says we're through, I guess. But he told us that, uh, that 2019 would be a year of the supernatural, that the supernatural would become our new natural. In other words, that we would learn to walk in the things of God uh, just like we just like we learned how to walk in the natural, you know, and so many people just, they stay in the natural realm and they never step over into the spiritual. They never step over into what we're calling the supernatural. Anything, you know, anything that has to do with God, anything that, that God says, anything that God does, um, is going to be supernatural. The reason being is because the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. He tells us that He is a spirit and that, that the only way we can understand uh, spiritual things is through our spirit. You know, if you try to understand God through your natural mind, through your senses, you're really going to struggle. And you're going to have a hard time figuring God out because, um, because you know, in, here in this scripture, this, uh, <coughs> excuse me, this scripture has been one that just keeps coming back up in my spirit. And we've talked about it and read it probably about every week. But 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 um, and this is a scripture that, that tells us, that shows us and tells us, and we understand why that we have to get over into the spiritual, why we have to get over into the supernatural, because, um, because it says this. And let's just look at it from the Amplified just to save time this morning. Um, 1 Corinthians 2.14, and this is from the Amplified. It says this, But the natural, non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and the teachings and the revelations of the Spirit of God. Isn't that something? That you, you know, he says you can't even, you don't even welcome them if you're not in the spiritual. If you're just over in the natural and trying to figure things out in the natural, you're, you don't even welcome the teachings of God. And he goes on to say this, and here's why. He goes on to say this, For they are folly, they're meaningless, they're nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and esteemed and appreciated. So it tells us here that, that you know, the, one of the main reasons that people struggle with their spiritual walk is because, that, because they, try, they, they stay in the natural, they stay in the carnal side, in the flesh side, and they don't go over into the spiritual. And because, you know, if God is a spirit... And he tells us that he created us in his image. Then what that means is that if, if he's going to speak to us, if he's going to communicate to us, then it's going to be on, on a spiritual level. And so, and anything on a spiritual level is going to be uh, what we, what we're calling supernatural. What is what we're calling uh, not not in the natural mindset, not in the natural way of thinking. Because if if you know if if you only stay in the natural, if you only stay in, in the, the physical realm, so to speak, you're going to be trapped. You're going to be trapped by time. You're going to be trapped by circumstances. You're going to be trapped by all these things that we've been talking about because the only way that you can receive from God, and the Bible makes this plain in, in Hebrews chapter 11, is that the only way that you can receive from God is how? Is by faith. And faith is not a... It's not talking about a natural type of faith. It's talking about a supernatural type of faith. Mark 11, 23, 22 and 23, Jesus told his disciples, you know, when he, when he cursed the fig tree and the fig tree died, 
Jesus told his disciples there in Mark eleven twenty two. He says, "Have the faith of God," and uh, and we know in the margin and in different translations in the original language, uh, or actually it says, "Have faith in God." But the original language, the original reading of that, if you go back to the original manuscripts and the different translations and stuff, you'll see it says this: "Have the faith of God." So what he was saying is this: that shows us that God is a faith God. And if you're going to do anything, and, and of course we have Scripture to back all this up. Other Scriptures tell us that it is impossible to please God without faith. If you don't have faith, if, if, you're, if you don't have faith in God and in the things of God, it is impossible to please Him. And if it's impossible to please Him, then guess what? Then you're not going to be walking in the supernatural things. You're not going to be walking in the blessings that He has for you. Amen. I mean, it's, it, you know, you're just not going to do it. You can't, you can't walk spiritually naturally. <laughs> Does that make sense? In other words, if you're, in, if you're just in your senses, if you're just in the physical, what you can touch, taste, smell, hear, and see, then you're not going to walk spiritually. Because spiritual, spiritual things are not naturally discerned. And see, and, that, and that's where we miss it a lot because we, you know, we tell people just, you know, uh, we don't teach people about, about uh, you know, as a whole, the church as a whole, we haven't taught people about how to, how to get over into the spiritual and get out of the flesh. I, I would dare say, and probably, and I'm sure we would all agree with this, you know, is that, that probably the majority of Christians... Uh, the world probably can't tell the difference between them and and uh, you know and a non-Christian. You know, unless 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 you have a bumper sticker or unless you have a T-shirt or uh, something like that, people may not even know you go to church because you talk like them, you act like them, you go to the same places they go, you do the same things they do. And we're no different than they are, than the world. And then, and then we wonder why they don't want to be like us. Well, the truth is, we're more like them than they are like us. You know, we, we, we've, we've, you know Romans 12, 1 and 2, we've put that scripture up there many times, but the, the message translation, I love that. It says, it says don't become so well-adjusted to this culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And that's what's happened to most people, and, and I, I would even include probably most of us. We fit into this culture, and we, we look and act and talk and go, and, and the things we do are, are pretty well identical to what this world does. And then we wonder why our nation's in the shape that it's in. I'm not even going to get on that again today. But, but I mean, but there, is there any wonder that we're, that we're in the shape we're in? Because, because we haven't been a called-out people. You know, we haven't separated ourselves. We've, you know, you hear this word, you hear the word now that, that everybody's big on is, you know, acceptance. You've got to accept people for the way they are. Well, that's not scriptural. <laughs> you know, Jesus said that, we're, that, we are to be, that we are to be holy and sanctified and set apart. That means there's, there's, there should be, people should be able to see something about us that's different than about the natural nor or the the normal natural person. It goes all the way back. You can go all the way back to uh, to, to Moses and the the conversation Moses had with God. And, God. and Moses told God, he said, God, he said, 
He said, if you don't go with me, because God was upset with the people and, and with, with the nation of Israel just because of their rebellion and everything. And, and, and he told them, he said, and, and we're, we're going to talk about this a little bit later too, but, but you know, God told him, he said, I'll send my angel before you, but I'm not going. Now, you know what? Most people would say, well, that's fine because his angel is pretty, pretty powerful and, and his angel will clear the way for us and, and he'll take care of the battles and he'll take care of our enemies. And, and, you know, and man, the angel's not a bad deal. But Moses said, but wait a minute, God. Moses said, Moses said, what is different? He said, what stands out among this nation versus every other nation on the earth? And, 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 what, and, and I'm adding to this a little bit, but what Moses was saying was this. It's not that your angel goes with us. He said what's different about us versus every other nation on the earth is that you are with us. And he said if you leave us, then we're going to be just like everybody else. So Moses said if you're not going, I'm not going. <laughs> he said, you know, you're he said he said I'm not going to I'm not going just with your angel. He said I want you. And then of course later on, you know, the scripture tells us in Psalms it says that Moses Moses knew his ways, but the children of Israel only knew his acts. In other words, the children, the children, you know, the, the whole nation only knew what he could do, but Moses knew his heart. Moses knew why he did what he did. That's, that's the type of relationship we have with God. You know, we, we don't, we don't want to just be known for his acts. We want to, we want to be known for somebody that we have a connection with God, that we know his ways, that he walks with us and that he's in us and that, you know, and, and that, that we are a habitation of God. And if that's true, then, then there should be something different about us than them. Amen. You know, so, so when we talk about the supernatural, Here's something that I want you to understand, and we've, we've said this just about every week, but every single one of you are supernatural. If you have a relationship with God, if you, if you have a connection with God, you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, and He lives on the inside of you, then you are supernatural. The Bible says that moment of salvation, that moment that you got born again, that at that moment you were recreated on the inside, and you became a holy habitation for God Himself. And now God is living on the inside of you. His Holy Spirit, is li- part of the Trinity, is living on the inside of every one of us. Amen. We are supernatural beings. Amen. Now, whether we're using that or not is a whole different story. You know, we can, we, can, we can quench that. We can quench the Spirit. We can, uh, you know, we can, not li- we can ignore the Spirit. We can, we can do a lot of different things. And we can let our flesh rule us, but we don't have to. And we shouldn't, <laughs> you know, I mean, we should be very much uh, uh, spiritual. We should be very much about our spiritual life much more than even our natural life. So many people, they spend all their time focused on the natural that they spend very little time thinking about the most important part of them, which is the spiritual. Your spirit man will live forever. This, this flesh and blood body, you'll put it down one day. And if Jesus comes, and I believe He'll be coming soon, if Jesus comes, you know, and, and we go up in the rapture, then guess what? All of us will put this body down, and we'll, and, and we'll get our glorified bodies. But, you know, but this flesh and blood body is going to be totally, uh, you know, it's going, to, it's going to come a time when it doesn't exist anymore. And, but our spirit man will live forever. So our spirit is more, is more real 
than 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 the flesh, and and that's hard for people. Sometimes hard for people to uh, um, to grab hold of and to comprehend. But one of the biggest reasons we've, and I'm just going back over a few of my notes here. One of the biggest reasons that we don't see the supernatural is because the supernatural takes place now, and we put everything off for later. You know, we always say, well, one day I'll get this. One day I'll be healed. One day God's going to come through. One day God will meet my need. Well, that's not faith. Amen. To be honest with you, that's, that's just really hoping and a wishing. Hoping and a praying and, and you know, and just, just, you know, you're just hoping that one day God will do something. Well, that's not, that's not faith. Faith is now. Amen. You know... I, I was I was thinking about this this week, and I wrote this down. I don't know; it's somewhere in my notes, but I wrote this down. That you know, miracles never happen in time. In other words, what I mean by that? Now, think about this. Say, for example, you uh, say, for example, you break your arm, and you go to the doctor, and he puts a cast on your arm, and he tells you, you know, you got to wear the cast for eight weeks. You know, and you go eight weeks. And you go back to the doctor, they cut the cast off, and they do another x-ray. And, you know, the, the doctor never comes back in after eight weeks, after the time frame that they've set, after they tell you that everything, you know, is going to take this, this, and this, and here's how we're going to do this. So eight weeks later, you go back in, they cut the cast off, and he, bring, he takes the x-ray, and he brings it back in. And I've never heard a doctor say, it's a miracle. Your arm's healed. Why? Because they know in that amount of time that your body will heal itself. If that bone's set right and, 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 you know, and there's no other problems, your body will heal itself in that amount of time. Your doctor won't come back in after a time period of like that and say, oh, it's a miracle. But now what if you break your arm and you go to the doctor and, and he takes an x-ray and, and, and they put it in a cast, they even put it in a cast. And then, and then you, you go and all of a sudden you say, you stop and you say, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe God here that I'm healed. I don't want it to take eight weeks. We told the story. Remember, we read the story, or I think I told you to. We ran out of time that day, but we read the story in Kings there where, where they were, the, the, the nation was surrounded. You remember that story? And they were starving them to death, and they, they had got so hungry they were boiling their babies and eating their own babies and everything because and, and there was no food. And the prophet stood up and said, This time tomorrow... You know, flour and wheat is going to be sold for pennies. In other words, meaning it's going to be so, so prevalent that, that anybody, everybody will have it. And one of the guys stood up and said, he said, even, he said over my dead body that will happen. My, he said, you know, my, I'll be dead before that happens. Well, through, the, through that story, those, those uh, lepers on the outside, they said, hey, let's go into the enemy's camp. They got food. And they said, if they kill us, they kill us. Well, they went in and, and God caused the sound of their feet like four of them, caused the sound of those four or those eight feet to sound like a whole army. And that whole uh, army that was outside, that was, that was surrounding the, the, the uh, city there, they took off and fled on foot. And long story, but I mean, but, but you know, the, sure enough, they had left all their food there. The next day, they, they came and the, the gates were opened and they ran out and got all the food and the flour and the wheat and everything. And, and sure enough, they had more that, that they could sell it for pennies like that. And the guy that said that, you know, I'll be dead before that happens, he was trampled over by the crowd running out to get the stuff. And sure enough, what he said came true because he died before he saw it. 
But God did, God did in one day what everybody said was impossible. So you start believing, you start saying, I'm, I'm just going to believe God. And, and you know, you get an unction, you believe God, and then, and then all of a sudden, man, you feel the power of God come on you, and your arm's healed, you know it. You go back to the doctor the next day, the day after he put the cast on. And you say, doctor, I want you to take this cast off and do another x-ray. Well, the doctor, he's not going to say, okay, let's do that. That sounds good. You know what the doctor's going to say? There's no need to do that. I told you it's going to take eight weeks. You know, just a waste of money. And the, doc- and the insurance is not going to pay for it. You'll have to pay for it yourself. Well, I'll pay for it. I, I just know God's healed me. I know, I know what God told me. They cut that thing off. They take an x-ray. And now this time when he comes back in, he would look at you and say, this is a miracle. I got the x-ray from yesterday, and I got the x-ray from today, and your arm is totally healed. What, what the doctor said would take eight weeks, God could change in an instant. But see, if you stay in the natural, and, and all you do is go on, on natural things... Now see, now listen, I, I know, I've, I've rocked some of you right there. Well, Pastor, that's just irresponsible. You know, Pastor, that's just, that's just irrational. You can't do stuff like that. Well, you know what? You're exactly right. In the natural, you can't do stuff like that. But you know what? In the supernatural, God can do more in the supernatural in a second than we can do for a lifetime. And it's not by chance. It's not by luck. It's not because, it's not because He likes you better than He likes somebody else. Somebody tell me how it can happen. By faith. How do we access anything in the supernatural? It's by faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we have to get God's Word in this. And see, the problem is, guys, listen, we, we've talked about faith extensively here, but, but here's, here's the biggest problem with faith and about believing for... Well, I mean, we always use healing because it's an easier example you know, about an arm being healed versus being broken or something like that. But this, but it works in every area. But here's the problem. The problem is people try to, people try to get it here instead of getting it here. Getting it up here is not going to get you healed. Because chances are none of you are going to get it up here. Because you can't understand how, how, how an arm being broken can be healed Overnight, or just by the snap of the finger, so to speak. Right? Can anybody explain that to me? I can't explain it to you, but all I know is this: it's possible. You know, we we asked you that question a couple of weeks ago, or maybe last week or two weeks ago. I don't know. But is anything too hard for the Lord? I mean, see, because in the natural, some of some of you have already turned me off. It's like, man, pastor's lost his marbles. Because that stuff just don't happen like that. But listen, you're in the natural, you're right. But see, we have to start seeing things the way God sees it. Is it too hard for God to heal a broke arm? Then how, how do we get it? You know, then there's got to be a missing denominator here. There's got to be something that, that, you know, that connects us to those miracles. And that's something that connects us. We've been talking about it for the last couple of weeks. That something that connects us to the supernatural is our faith. But, but faith alone, listen, faith alone, um, you know, is not, is not gonna, is not gonna get the job done if faith is from your head. 
if you try to understand it. Man, I've tried to understand God for years, and I'm still, He still blows me away. You think you got, you think you got Him halfway figured out, and then He does something totally opposite. You know, and then you're kind of like, okay, you know. Now, I'm not saying that you can't understand anything about God because we have His Word, we have His Spirit. He's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order. He does things in a certain way. I mean, you know, we, we understand those things, but the problem is we get in the way. Our mind gets in the way. Our, our reasoning, one of the biggest obstacles to faith, one of the huge, hugest obstacles to faith is human reasoning. If you try to reason things out, and what I mean by that is you try to figure it out. Okay, yeah, but the doctor said this, but I know God's Word says that, but I just don't see how those two connect. I, you know, I, the only way I can understand it is this. And human reasoning will always take you back to the flesh. And, and if the devil can get you in human reasoning, he will get you to focus on problems. He will get you to focus on the sickness. He'll get you to focus on, on what everybody's saying. Well, the do- you know, the doctor said this, and the doctor said that. And, you know, well, you know, oh, Aunt, Aunt Betty Sue had that. And, boy, you know what happened to her now. You know, the classic, Mama and them, Mama and them said, <clears throat> you know, Mama and them told me this had happened. And, you know, we put more stock in Mama and them, whoever that is, right? And, 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 and what people say than we do God's Word. And it's basically we put more stock in human reasoning. We try to reason it out and understand it. And with God, you know, God never, never not one time did God say, understand me. God said, have faith. Trust me. Believe me. And when we trust Him and believe Him, that's when we see things happen. Amen. When we live, listen, when we live by, when we live by sight only, you know, in other words, just what we can see, what we, you know, what we can, what we can see in the natural. When we live by sight only, the enemy will always make you focus on problems, sickness, and difficulties. And you'll never see your miracle. Because miracle, the miracle and the supernatural is always going to be out there somewhere. And it's never going to be now. Amen. So, we've talked about, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about faith. We've talked about how faith is now. We, last week we talked about, you know, was about the, the question, is anything too hard for God? <clears throat> knowing, knowing that if we, put, if we truly put our faith in Him, then, then nothing will be too hard. But now, today I want to just touch on Him, and, and, and I, could spend, I could spend months on each one of these subjects. But we're really just doing an overview of this and, and really hoping that, that you will just whet your appetite to where you'll get in and study it. And what, we're, what, what I want to touch on today, just for the next few minutes, everybody knows this, and I've preached a whole series on this, but one of the greatest weapons and one of the greatest tools that we have for living in the supernatural and receiving the supernatural is this. It's our words. You know... I've said this many times. Every time I teach on this, I'll say this. But, you know, you don't have to be around somebody long to really figure out whether they're truly in faith or not. And especially if you're outside of church. Now, if, you're, if you come to a church function and you sit down with people and, 
And you talk to them for a few minutes during fellowship time or right after church, boy, they're saying the right things and they're, they're on it, man. They got the language, man. They, they got the look. They got the, you know, man, they got everything down, right? <clears throat> but, you know, you go to their house on a Tuesday afternoon or you go out and you see them out at, at the workplace or you, you know, you run into them at the ball game or, or something like that and you just have, you just sit down and start talking outside of the religious setting, it doesn't take long and people, the, people's words will reveal their heart. And you'll start hearing things. Now listen, we, we say this all the time. I could ask you, I mean, I'll ask this question. How many of you believe God's Word is true? Anybody believe God's Word is true? All right. I kind of, you know, I kind of hate to tell you this, but I don't really think that y'all believe that. Like you should. Here's why I say that. God's Word says this, that the power of life and death are in your words. And how many of you in the last week have made statements like, boy, my back's killing me. Boy, this, if this thing happens one more time, I'm done. You know, boy, if this, you know, I can't believe nothing ever good happens to me. If you truly believe that there's power in your words, we would be very careful what we say. Let me, let me find something to hide behind here. <clears throat> How many of us have said this? My arthritis, my, my cancer, my headache. What, what, what have you done right there? You've claimed it. And you're saying it's yours. In other words, you've answered the doorbell sign for the package and said it's mine now. Well, now, Pastor, that's just splitting hairs. You know, that don't really matter. Power of life and death are in your tongue. We talk about, we talk about Job a lot, you know, and, and, you know, we always talk about... And, and listen, you, you can go to bars and talk to a drunk person, and they'll tell you about Job. Everybody knows, man, Job lost everything. You know, God took his hand. God let, God let the devil take everything Job had. You know, you'll hear, you'll hear all kinds of people talk about Job. But do you realize in Job... Actually, just turn over there. Turn to uh, uh, Job 6, I believe it is. Right before, right before the book of Psalms. Job chapter 6. Now, you know, God, I, I tell you, if you, had, if you hadn't ever read the book of Job, go home and read it. It is an interesting book. You know, there's, I don't know, 40-some chapters in Job, I think. Uh, you know, but go home and read the book of Job because Job has this conversation with God. And he starts this conversation and, and he's, you know, and of course, and Job has three friends that come to kind of help comfort him in his distress. And of course, his so-called friends, you know, aren't very friendly to him. Basically, they tell him, why don't you just curse God and die? <laughs> you know, they're like, your life's over, Job. You know, man, God's been, God's been mean to you. God, you know, God don't like you no more. Just, just curse God and die. His wife even told him that. But he's having this conversation, and, and his friends come and start talking to him and everything. But here in Job chapter 6, notice in verse 24. 
Job is, is, is you know, he's, talking, he's having a, a reply to one of, his, one of his friends here. And uh, his friend comes and, and, and talks to him. And, and he has this conversation with one of his friends. And he makes this one statement here in Job, 24, or Job 6, verse 24. And he's, he's really, well, actually, he's having a conversation with God, and he says this. Uh, he says this, he says, Teach me, and I will hold my tongue, and cause me to understand wherein I have erred. Now notice that, and, and if you d- read different translations, basically here's what Job's saying. Lord, what I'm learning and what, what you're showing me right now, and as you teach me this, he said, I've got to learn one thing. I've got to learn to keep my mouth shut. Because that is where I have erred. And if you read, if you read through the book of Job, the, the, theme, the theme of Job is not God allowed all this to happen. The theme of Job is this, is that, you know, is that basically, and it says, the, the scripture near the end of Job says, the thing, that, the thing that Job makes a statement, the thing that I feared the worst has come upon me. And you'll find out that Job said some things and he was saying some things that opened the door so that the enemy could come in and do those things. He was sacrificing for his kids. He was offering sacrifices every, every day for his kids because he was afraid something terrible was going to happen to him. How many of you know that's not the reason to offer sacrifices? Amen. He had no faith. Now, now, yes, Job is one of the earliest books written. I mean, and, and you know, Job didn't have the Bible to go by. But, but yet at the same time, we can learn from his mistakes. And what, I, what I'm saying is this, that we have to learn. Job understood after he started seeing some things. Job said, listen, he said, God, as you teach me, I'm going to learn this one thing to keep my mouth shut. Because I've erred in my, I've erred in my language. And, if, and, and I was having a conversation with somebody just the other day, and, and I, I made this statement again, but I said, if, if we could... If we could uh, carry a, a tape recorder with us and, and go home and listen to just one day of our conversations, we would be shocked of really and truly what, our, what, what we really sound like. Now, listen to this. Let's go, let's go, to, uh, go to Joshua. You're here in the Old Testament. Let's go to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1, and uh, we'll just start reading in verse 3. Well, let's just, we'll just start from verse 1. That'll be fine. I mean, just to get the context. It says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke, un, uh, spoke, spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and to the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that I have given unto you, as I had said unto Moses. Skip down to verse 5. He says, There shall, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto, unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto your fathers to give them. Now, here was the covenant that God, he, he 
renewed the covenant that he had with Moses, with Joshua. And, he, and you know, he had told Moses, Moses delivered the children from, of Israel out of Egypt and told him he was taking them to a promised land. They, you know, they sent spies into the promised land. They came back and, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had a good report. They said, we're well able because they knew that God said, it's yours. The other ten got in the natural. They started saying, they're giants in the land. You know, and we're, yeah, and we're, we're grasshoppers in our own sight. They didn't say they see us as grasshoppers. They said we're grasshoppers in our own sight. In other words, they're like, there's no way we can do this. Well, for 40 years, God let them wander in the wilderness, and that whole generation died because of their unbelief. And the, until the next generation was raised up, God let them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Now, that generation died, Moses died, Joshua is now, you know, God puts him in as leader. And, he, and Joshua tells Moses the same thing. He said, now listen. He said, he said here's, here's what I want you to do and what I want you to know. I'm giving you the land just like I said unto Moses. So the promise is still yours. Now, if you read the story, we won't take the time to read all of it, but if you read the story, you can go back to Exodus. And, and, uh, and in Exodus, God told, the, God told Moses this, and he told the children this, and he tells them this in Joshua too. But in Exodus, he says this, the wording of it, I like the wording of it, God told, God told them early on, He said, listen, He said, the land I'm going to give you, He says, it has giants in it that are mightier than you are. Now listen, God told them that. God said, He said, the land that I'm giving you and the land that you're going to inherit has giants on it and they're bigger than you. They're mightier than you. You can't do anything about them. Is what He was telling them. The ten, the ten spies that came back, that's exactly what they said. There's giants in the land. They're bigger than us. They're from the sons of Enoch, you know, who, who was known as giants. And they're like, man, there's no way we can do this. They were leaving out one minor detail. God told them, I will drive the inhabitants out. You won't have to do it. I will do it. He said, as far as you go, yes, it's impossible with you. They're bigger than you. They're mightier than you. There's nothing you can do about it in the natural. But God said, I will send, I will, I will drive them out. Now, in the natural, now listen, the reason I'm saying that and the reason I'm, where I'm going with this is this. Well, and actually turn to, uh, let's turn to Exodus 23 and let me show you this, this wording here. And then, then I'm just going to share a few more comments and we'll be through. Exodus 23. And this is what, this is what God told, what God was telling Moses and, and the children back here in, in this time. And when he was promising the land to them, he, was, he, had, he told them that the promised land was theirs. God said this in, in Exodus 23, verse 20. He said this, now notice this. He says, Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way, to bring you into the place which I have prepared. That place was the promised land. God said, I'm going to send my angel. Now, this was different. This was not, the, this was not when he told Moses that he wasn't going with him. God was just saying, my angel is going to go take care of you. You know, I'm with you, and, and here's how this is going to happen. Notice verse 21, God tells him this. He says, beware of him, beware of the angel, and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. 
So in other words, he, he, God, told, God told Moses and the children of Israel this, when the angel says something to you, you better do it. You better obey his voice. Because if you disobey him, then, then he's not going to forgive you. And you're not going to walk in the promises. You have to remember, this is Old Covenant. This is not New Covenant. This is Old Covenant, but I'm going somewhere with it. Look at verse 22 and 23. He says, But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto your enemies, and I will be an adversary unto your adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Now notice what he said. He said, he said the angel will go before you and I will cut them off. So what he was saying was this. In the natural, it's not possible. But since I'm going with you, if you will do everything I tell you to do, then all things are possible. But now here's, here's what we're talking about. Remember, we're talking about our words now. What, the point I wanted to make was this. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. doesn't matter what the bank said. doesn't matter what your family said. It doesn't matter what the Internet says. What matters is what God says. And, and we have to line ourselves up with what God says. We, you know, when, when, you, when you say things like, you know, when you say things like, well, the doctor said it's, you know, the doctor said I'm going to die. You broke one of the major rules of the law of confession. Because the law of confession is this. What, what is confession? Confession, one of, the, one of the definitions of confession is just this. Simply saying the same thing. If you confess something, you say the same thing. The law of confession from, from God's standpoint is this, is saying the same thing God says. Anytime you say something contrary to what God says, you break the law of confession. And when you break the law of confession, then you don't get the promises that God says are connected with it. Why? Because, because you're saying something opposite. If you, read, if you read the book of Malachi, Malachi said this, you know, uh, and we always read Malachi concerning tithes and offerings and things, but in the book of Malachi it always says this, it also says this, it says that you, he says, your words have been stout against me. Now think about that. How many of us, how many of us would say that our words have been stout against God? Hopefully none of us, right? I mean, none of us would say, man, I've got in God's face and I told him a thing or two. <laughs> you know, I mean, man, I, I let him have it. Well, that's not a good thing. But he says, your words have been stout against me. And then the question is, how's my words been stout against you? And the answer, you, you can go read this in Malachi. The answer was this. He said, he, said because, he said, because you said it's a bad thing to serve God. In other words, what they were saying was, well, I've been serving God and nothing happened for me. And look at that guy out there. He's, not, he's out in the world. He's got more money than I do. He's got, he's got this and he's got that. And I've been serving God. I've been trying to do that. I've been trying. And, you know, it hadn't paid me nothing. Well, your words have been stout against God. And you know what? You, if, you're, if you start saying stout things against God, then you're not going to walk in His promises. 
you, we have to start saying the same thing that God says. We have to find Scripture. We have to find the Word. We have to get into His Word and say, say, God, what does your Word say about this? As a matter of fact, in the book of Joel, he says this, let the weak say, I am strong. And we could add to that, we could make our own confessions, and we do. Let the, let the sick say, I am healed. Let the broke say, I've got plenty. Now, <laughs> you know, my dad used to tell me, my dad used to tell me, he'd say, he'd say you know, we'd, we'd be talking about some of these things, and my dad say, well, well Stephen, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm just going to tell it like it is. And I'd be like, Dad, you're not lying. You know, you're simply agreeing with God. Amen. Amen. You know, just if, if you say, if you say, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed, nobody can tell you that you're lying. Now, people might say that, but, but if you agree with what God says, how is that lying? Well, you're, you know, the doctor said you're sick. Well, who am I going to believe? Whose report am I going to believe? The doctor's report or God's report? Well, yeah, but, you know, you know people, people have an answer for everything, right? But here's, here's, what, here's what I say, and here's, here's what I would recommend. I think it's better to side on God's side than on man's side. Now we don't discount what you know. We don't necessarily discount what people say or make light of it, but what we do say is this: there's a greater truth. Those may be the facts, but facts are subject to change. I'm going on the truth. The truth can change facts, and this is the greatest truth: His Word. And we have to say the same thing that He says. Now listen. Here's the temptation, and this, this is a huge point right here. The time that you need to say it the most is the time you're least likely to want to say it. In other words, when you're hurting the most, is not the time that you want to just start saying, well, by His stripes, I'm healed. You know, you're wanting to say, oh, I'm hurting. <laughs> somebody help, somebody pat me on the back and tell me how bad I'm hurting. But at the time you're hurting the worst is the time that you need to be confessing God's Word the most. Because the more you confess His Word... Now listen, here, let me... Let me man, I, I'll have to finish this next week because I'm out of time. Listen, confession in itself, confession just in itself is not a magic formula. I can stand here all day I can stand here all day long and say, um, you know, I believe, I believe I'm the Easter Bunny. I believe I'm the Easter Bunny. I believe I'm the Easter Bunny. And you know what? There's not one person in here with, in your right mind that would think that I'm going to turn into the Easter Bunny. Why? Because you know and I know that I don't believe that. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying something funny. Well, you know what? A lot of people quote Scripture. A lot of people will quote the Word. And you know as well as they know that they truly don't believe it. They're just saying it because somebody told them to say it. Brother Hagin 
Brother Hagin would say this, and for the longest time I never understood what he, what he meant by this. But, but you know, after, after you deal with people and talk to people and, and start experiencing, you know, working with people, you understand this. Brother Hagin said this. He said, he said, you know, even if you're not in faith, he said, here's what you can do. He said, you can school yourself into faith. And I used to think, school yourself into faith. What in the world is he talking about? But Brother Hagin, he always used this. Confession, confession. he would always say this. He would say the word, he would use the word, uh, he would say, you know, it's almost like to confess something is, is the same word that, that like means to mutter something. And that word comes from, a, from a, one of the original, the best picture that you can have on that is when you're confessing something over and over and over is the picture of a cow. A cow has what, like seven stomachs? And, and that cow will keep, he'll eat, he'll eat grass, and then he'll regurgitate it and chew on it and then swallow it. And then he'll regurgitate it again and chew on it and then swallow it. None of y'all are hungry, are you? <clears throat> but what's he doing? He's getting all the nutrients out of it, right? Until finally it's all totally wiped out and he, and he gets rid of it. Well, you know what? Confession does the same thing. Confession, we need to start saying the same thing over and over and over again. Not just for the sake of saying it, but what does it do? The more we say it, the more it gets down into us. And the more nutrients we can get out of it. And every time we confess it, we get, it, it builds us up a little bit. It strengthens us a little bit more. And then we might wait an hour, wait a couple hours. Then we might say it again and start thinking about it again. And then, and then we build on the last time we said it. Yeah, man, that, that, that goes with this Scripture. That goes with that. And oh yeah, now I see how it goes to that Scripture. And that, that connects this and this. And what's it doing? It's building us up and strengthening us. And, and then we say it again and we say it again until, until we get to the place where we say it and we actually believe it in our, in our spirits. And then when we believe it in our spirits, you know what happens? It works. The first, the first 25 times... The first hundred times, the first thousand times you said something, it may have just been words to you. But you say it over and over. You meditate on it. You think about it. You mutter it. You, you, just, you keep going over and over. You keep confessing what God says about it. And then you know what? Eventually you get it. And then when you get it, then when you say it, there's power in it. That's why the, you know, uh, different people have said this, but... But the Word of God spoken through your mouth is just as powerful as the Word of God spoken through His mouth. When you're in faith. That's the reason I can... You know, the, old, the other example is you can, you can stand in a garage and, and make car noises all day, but, but nobody believes you're going to turn into a car. Right? I mean... You know, I mean, and, and, but you know what? You can stand in the face of a disease and say you're healed. And then when you truly believe that, when it gets down into your spirit, when, when it becomes more real to you than what that, what the doctors are saying or what the, what your body's feeling or, or it becomes the, the most real thing to you becomes the fact that His Word is true over everything. Then when you say it, it changes things. So your confession by itself is not going to change things. You have to believe it. Listen, you can, you can say the, Bible say, the Bible says the demons believe that there's a God. 
but, but they don't trust Him. They don't have faith in Him. So see, just believing is not going to get you the answer. It's a combination of things. You got to, you know, the scripture says, when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. That's the that's the the formula if you want to call it that whatever. That's the that's what he says that will bring salvation. When you believe in your heart that Jesus lived and died and rose again and you confess him as Lord with your mouth, then you'll be saved. Well, when you believe in your heart that above everything else, that God healed you some 2,000 years ago on the cross, and that regardless of what your body says, regardless of what the doctors say, regardless of what time frame they put on it, regardless of anything, when you believe His Word is more real than anything else, and then you believe it in your heart, and you speak it with your mouth, that's when you'll see your healing. True faith. True faith is not just saying it, not just you know repeating a magic formula of some type. True faith is truly believing it in your heart and then speaking it with words of faith knowing that it's more real than anything else that you've ever faced. And the reality is this. Most of us, most of us that have spoken things and believe God for things, um, we, we speak way too soon. You know, we truly don't get in faith for it and then we get disappointed because we don't see what we, what we wanted to see. But, but in reality, I mean, I can speak from personal experience for this. In reality, I've, I've made confessions and I've believed God for things. And looking back on it, I, I know deep down in my spirit that, that, I, that I truly wasn't convinced that I would see that miracle right then when I said it. That I still had doubt. Well, I sure hope this works this time. You know, oh, by your stripes I'm healed. Well, you know, you don't get it by hoping. You get it by faith when you realize that it's more real than anything that you've ever come across. And it's more real, and you, you're more convinced of it. You stand like Paul did in the middle of that storm and say, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm persuaded. I'm convinced that, that not one person is perishing on this ship today. You know, the ship was falling apart. They were scared for their lives. But Paul said, I'm persuaded. Why? Because he was convinced. He knew a truth. Deep down in his heart, he knew it. The first, listen, and we'll, we'll talk some more about this next week. The first thing that we've got to do, one of the first things we have to do is this. We have to start watching our words. We have to start saying what God says. We have to start agreeing with Him. We have to stop putting it off for some future day and start schooling ourselves into faith where we believe that when we speak it, it'll happen. It's not we're going to try to see if it happens. It's no, when I speak it, and when I say this, it's done. Amen. I'm fully convinced of that. And if you have doubt, you know, you know, uh, Brother Hagin always he always, he he often said this as well. And this is another one we may hit on this next week. But Brother Hagin said this. He said, you know, he said you can have faith in your heart with doubt in your head. Yeah. In other words, you don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to be perfect. Up here, it'll be a struggle sometimes. But right here is where you've got to believe it. You can have doubts up here thinking, I don't know how God's going to do this. I don't know how the finances are going to come. I don't know how this is going to happen or that's going to happen. But right here, I know God's taking care of it. 
I may not be able to explain it. I may not be able to, to, to tell you every detail about it. But all I know is I believe God's Word over everything, and I'm not letting nothing move me. And when you get to that place, that's when there's power in your words. Listen, that's the reason, that's the whole reason why every one of us is not dead today. Because if, if every word we said came true, all of us would be dead. We'd be dead from back aches, toothaches, headaches. Boy, this headache's killing me. Well, I mean, you'd be dead. But here's, here's the reality in that. You really don't believe it's killing you. It's just you're in pain. You see how that works? And it's the same way with faith. You can say all day long, I, I'm in faith, I'm in faith, I'm in faith. But if you don't believe it, it's not really going to make a change in you. You've got to keep saying it. You've got to keep believing it until you truly get it here. And when you truly get it here, then your confession will be the same as God's. And when your confession is the same as God's, that power will happen. And that thing will happen in your life. Walking in the supernatural. Saying the same thing as God says. Amen? <clears throat> well, well, we'll talk some more about that next week. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me just for a second. We're, we'll unhook right here. Um, maybe there's one here today that maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with, with your relationship with Him. Maybe you question whether, whether you have a relationship with God or not. There's no better day than today to make sure of your salvation. Um, you know, none of, us are, none of us are guaranteed another breath. You know, I mean, we all, there's accidents every day. People not expecting it. But the Bible tells us that we live. We need to live ready. And if you don't know about your salvation, if you're not sure that if you were to die today that you'd go to heaven, then I would make sure before I leave this place that you, that you know. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know about my relationship with God, but I, I really want to make sure. Would you just slip your hand up, anybody at all? I'd love to be able to pray with you. Anybody at all just say, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. I tell you, I, I can tell you without, without reservation, I know, man, I know I'm born again. I know that God's my, that God's my Savior. He's my Lord. You know, I, be, I believe that. I know that. If you don't know for sure, man, make, just make sure. You, you, need to, you need to get your heart right. All right, let's all stand to our feet. I don't see any hands there. Let's all stand to our feet. If you need prayer, if you would like prayer or need prayer for anything, I want to invite you to come down. Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you. If you need healing, if you need uh, prayer for something, um, you know, Stacy and I would love to be able to pray with you. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking for prayer. There's nothing wrong with getting other people to agree with you. But uh, just make sure you get the right people to agree with you. You know, don't get people that, that, that don't believe the same way you believe. Amen? Make sure, that, make sure you get believers to agree with you. Uh, but anybody need prayer, I want to make sure before we go that, that we give you an opportunity for that. God loves you. God, God he's, he's so in love with you. I, I used that scripture when we opened up this morning, 1 John 3, that he lavishly poured his love out on us, that he called us his children. And just think about how great that love is. Amen? And just know how much he loves you. Uh, tonight we'll have prayer at 6 o'clock. If, if you can make it back for prayer at 6, we'll be here uh, for corporate prayer. We'd love to have you Wednesday night at 7. We're continuing our series on the feasts of the Lord and uh, been having a great series on that on Wednesday nights. 
So uh, let me pray for you, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you guys for, for your attention this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for um, the word this morning, Father. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would help all of us, that each one of us, Father, you would help us keep a watch over our mouth, that you would help us uh, say the same thing that you say about things, about the situations in our lives, Lord. And we just thank you. Uh,